The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome to the Untamed and Unashamed podcast. This is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability, compassion, and openness that we can muster. Along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning, and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are, while also uncovering our divine gifts. I'm Jade Bryce, and I'm so grateful that you're here. So before I go into introducing our guest today, I'm going to let you know, um, because I'm recording this after I've interviewed her, I'm going to let you know um, about two terms, just because we didn't go into the clarity of them. And we talk about them right at the top of the show. So I'm going to let you know the terms alpha and omega. Alpha um, could easily be exchanged for the masculine. And Omega can easily be exchanged for the feminine. And she goes into um, why they use Alpha and Omega in her book. Uh, but we go right at the top of the show. We start talking about Alpha and Omega. So I wanted to let you know you could easily exchange those for feminine or masculine, or at least just know that that's what they mean so that that, that whole conversation can make more sense to you if you didn't already know. Okay, so today we are having on a woman who is known internationally for her transformative work in personal growth and sacred intimacy. She has dedicated her life to love. She leads high-end retreats with her partner, Justin, including their signature retreat, the Yoga of Intimacy. Together, they help others deepen their relationships, overcome the challenges of long-term commitment, and learn how to grow spiritually and sexually with their partner. They also teach workshops and offer private coaching to individuals and couples all over the world. Her ceremonies have also been endorsed by Gwyneth Paltrow, and she helps people in her ceremonies reawaken to their most grounded, sensual self and recall the lost art of sacred temple work. She coaches women through her mentorship programs and online courses to reawaken their power, both masculine and feminine, or alpha and omega and to lead their lives from the empowered place of using both energies consciously. This is a woman that truly makes her life speak, and her writing just makes my heart flutter and truly woke me up to what we can have in our romantic life. It changed my life forever because it changed what relationships I chose for myself. 
please help me welcome London Angel Winters to Untamed and Unashamed. Hi. Hi. Hey, I haven't seen you in so long. Okay, no, well, I'm saying like, it just feels like it was a hundred years ago that we I did know. this last time. Well, that's what I was just thinking when you got on. I was like, she looks younger even than last time. How does she look younger? It's been like four years. Has it really been four years? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. <laughs> well, we all look a bit younger after we get through that stage. Oh my God. Well, and I had given, I don't know if I told you I'd given birth at home with no drugs. Yeah. And I was beat up even when I, I think you guys were my first thing I did like, yeah. work-wise. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, I was still just off in orbit. <laughs> yeah. Golly. It, I'm so happy everyone's doing that now, having birth at home. Because it feels like um, a reclamation and it feels like, golly, such a, a womb healing ceremony almost. Um, and mine, I had two back to back, 12 months apart, and they were both emergency C-sections. So like the whole birth plan out the window. And I still, I'm, I'll be 38 this year, but I still like sometimes feel like, oh, I just want to have another one and have, like experience the you know, at home birth where, you know, I can shape the little umbilical and placenta into a heart and do you yeah. know, all those little <laughs> my midwife did that and took yeah. a picture. <laughs> and then but, put it in a blender. Yeah, yeah. What a difference that probably makes. Oh, that was oh, that was that was like the best drug I've ever taken. Yeah. It really was. It was so rich. I can't even that I, I could feel the day it was done and I had used it all. I didn't do the capsules. I she really talked me into like, you know, making Raw a smoothie. Ice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well no, but like making a smoothie out of it. Yeah. And um and it was the most energizing thing I've ever done in my life. Wow. That's yeah, so it really cool. was. Yeah. Well, my mentor, who's a bit of a channel, well, she is a channel, um, has said that I'm going to have another kid at 42. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And like I said, right now, I'm, I'll am i be 38 this year, and I can't even fathom it, though, because two back-to-back -back was so hard, and now they're self-sufficient a bit. They're six and seven this year, and um, I can't even imagine having a newborn. But she said that at 42, I'm going to be really excited about it and I'll be at a place in my work that like feels really playful and rejuvenating and so we'll see maybe I'll maybe I'll be having placenta smoothies in a couple of years <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know truth be told if you're going to have a home birth it's much easier to have one after you've already given birth because like going through birth number one mm -hmm. uh you know your body has to do so much shifting inside in that in those contractions that mm -hmm. um it was a little scary to be honest with you yeah um and everyone I've ever told this story to they were like yep number one was crushing and number two was like divine you know yeah that's so amazing yeah so <clears throat> I know I told you this uh in the last interview years ago but your book was and you know the word awakened is in the title. So it's kind of a funny thing to say, but your book is really what woke me up to what I can have and, and also what I deserve and love. And it, it also was just such a huge part of my awakening. Like it's, it's funny. The book is called uh, the awakened woman's guide to everlasting love. So you think that the ones who buy it 
are already awakened women. But honestly, your book is part of what like put me on the journey of becoming an awakened woman. It was, it was so huge in my journey. And it also helped me to know my worth, which was so huge. It, it, I mean, before your book, I was, I had already started to do plant medicine ceremonies. Um, but it wasn't, it, it was about kind of at the same time. So they kind of like interweaved with each other, but your book is really what opened me up to my worth and opened me up to, um, wanting to heal so much trauma. And because I, it was like reading your book was like, why have I manifested the complete opposite of this? So it sent me down this path of asking all of these questions. And it also taught me to have boundaries for the first time in my life, uh, which I prefer now to call foundations and structures because boundaries can feel like a bit more of an ultimatum or threatening to love. Um, but I remember reading your book and just feeling so excited for my future with each page. And the funny thing is, is that no one like gifted it to me. No one suggested it to me. It just popped up on my Amazon screen. And so I feel like my guides did their work there because um, it was just so much of a starting point for so much inner work for me and um, a big part of why I left a very abusive and toxic relationship, which is... Um, why I'm sure today's interview will be so different than the last. Uh, so that's a really cool thought. And then I just remember also, I used to feel so at war with myself as a woman, because I felt so like so many of my parts, I felt like a walking contradiction, you know, in my hormones alone. And I just felt like, like too much, and then also not enough at the same mm -hmm. time. And so I just constantly felt like, kind of crazy, you know, mm. and then I remember even in the intro alone of your book, feeling so much acceptance of all of my parts. And um, yeah, just in the intro alone. And then uh, I've probably bought over a dozen copies because I continually just give my copy out and buy a new one. <laughs> so I'm so thankful for your amazing gift of your wisdom and your art and your heart. And I often I mean, it's been, I don't know, three or four at least maybe five years since we've interviewed, since I've interviewed you. But um, I think of you often because it just feels like you're this um, wise Oracle teacher in my journey that, you know, uh, kind of show like, you know, like the thought of um, we, we light other people's <clears throat> by being a light, we light other people's lights. And then it continues feels like you were one of those first lights for me. And so as a woman, especially like, I know, um, my teacher, Layla Martin, and Mama Gina's book, they have been so pivotal in my work now and in who I am now. But you were like the very first woman, I think that like, lit that light for me. So I'm so, so thankful. And I think of you so often because of that. So I'm so thankful to have you on again, because it feels like I'm meeting with an old friend. <laughs> <laughs> that is so beautiful to hear. Um, I just want to take a moment and just soak that in. That um... Yeah, imagine how many women um, experience that, but they just don't have the chance to tell you because they don't have a podcast. I'm sure there's yeah. so many. I'm sure there's so many lights around the world that you lit. Well, the other thing was uh, I put myself through the ringer. We had one book, and um, I was I had given so much. I was so 
given, you know, that feeling of being given like in mm -hmm. the best of ways, but it's like, you, you know, after you have like a massive orgasm, you're ready for that nap, you yes. know what I mean? <laughs> and, um, I was just ready to take my nap and, uh, somebody, a, a, a dear, dear friend of mine, who's a, a pretty prominent movie director said, this doesn't reach broad enough. You've mm. got to find a way to say this message to somebody who's never even heard of this word. And I went back in and I did months of additional work to take away anything that had like an elitist or like a mm. spiritual elitist or, um, <clears throat> you know how that spiritual, yeah. yeah, or like that spiritual conversation can get a little bit like, hierarchical in the sense of like what you know and if yeah. you don't know this well you better enter here mm -hmm. and I rewrote the book to be so approachable that it could reach anyone and so to get that acknowledgement from you is yeah I mean I was in tears you know because <laughs> it was like it's already been birthed I didn't have another pregnancy in me you know what I mean mm -hmm. and um oh my gosh as we're saying this a deer just walked by the window <laughs> <laughs> just I appreciate you saying that so much because it really makes me feel so happy that I found that second wind and I ran that second race you know yeah oh yeah because I'm sure it's um that shift I'm sure it was a beautiful book to begin with but I'm sure that that shift caught like brought so many women into a path that they may not have been able to reach had they felt not good enough because they didn't understand the lingo or it felt a little too esoteric to them or, at that point in their journey or like if you write a certain way you feel like well yeah if I you know there's this thing have you heard the term householder no and in, in sexual yoga there's this term like the householder and there's this understanding from the ancient times that to do the real spiritual work it's not compatible with a husband and children and a job like you 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 pull yourself out of mundane conventional mm -hmm. life and you just do spiritual work and it's really in our generation that we especially as women are understanding how we can live in a sacred space and do a conventional life and so many of the questions you mentioned um in uh the prep were it's it was like it was so present in that. It's like women are so challenged these days because life is like a juggernaut of surface and busy and distracted and none of us feel met there. Like we might be at the peak of our careers. We might be bathed in, you know, riches, um, the perfect family, but there's something at night that's just yeah. eating us alive. Like we're just not penetrated at the level we want to be you know mm. I call it like not feeling met mm -hmm. and we are really the generation that's paving the way for the householder meaning the person who's running a house and doing a you know kind of getting involved in the maya yeah. but maintains the sacred front and center in their life mm. I'm really uh, seeking to find that balance right now because even yesterday I was Right now I'm doing a, a love, sex, and relationship training. It's a year-long course. And man, when I get into the work and the classes and taking the notes and doing the practices, the practices feel like ceremonies. Um, 
I feel like I can't be bothered with dishes. Exactly. And, and even yeah. like, Precisely what I'm like, talking about. Yeah, I can't be bothered with like daily tasks. Like, and if I feel like if someone were to ask, like, why does your house look like this? I'd be like, do you know what I'm doing? Like, I'm generational <laughs> trauma. Like, exactly. It's so hard for me to shut my laptop and even get to the gym. And I, I like started to understand that thought of freshman 15 when you're just like <laughs> in it. You can't, like, yep. you can't leave your computer. And the only, like, if I can force myself to close the computer and go to the gym and just do a little bit of cardio and a little bit of weights, it puts me back in my body. And I don't feel disembodied when I'm in the work, but it at least like brings me back into, okay, I've got kids. I got to cook dinner, you know, a little bit. It's a good shift, but I want so badly to just stay in the, in the pleasure of learning about all this ancestral work and my lineage and about Tantra and it's it's really really hard uh to find that balance so that's my that's my current work right now well remember in the book the awakened woman's guide to everlasting love one I talked about energetic agility yeah this is what you're in right now is that finding that energetic agility and really what you're talking about is that pivot between alpha and omega Mm. because any kind of like working out you're holding a structure for yourself you're kind of like doing what you don't want to do yeah that's a very alpha thing alpha is the eagle looking down at the forest like if we do this now it'll be easier to cook dinner later right like there's a later payoff there's a mission Uh and um what i notice in women who get real deep in the work is they they don't have the like athletic skill to pivot left and pivot right equally. Mm. And that's one thing that I'm probably hmm, five years into my journey. Mm-hmm. Like after I had fully drank the cup of Omega, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and at the point where I was like, I'm going to be laying in bed eating bonbons if something doesn't <laughs> change here, you know, like this is kind of backfiring a little bit. Yeah. Um, I really started working the muscle of energetic agility and that is a whole gift unto itself because you have to create an even deeper relationship with omega to pivot into alpha. In other words, you can't see that omega, we'll call it like the champagne omega, (laughs) you know, you can't see that as so precious that you're afraid for it to go away. Like I've gotten to the point where my omega is so available to me Mm. that I don't have any fear of leaving it and moving into alpha. And then my alpha is so upgraded, it doesn't deplete me anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I've learned how to upgrade. I After I did all the work in Omega and reclaiming that and like polishing it and loving it and nourishing from it, I then upgraded my alpha to be something that nourished me equally, but from structure and mission and purpose. And like, even with my man, um, how my alpha could serve. And I can talk to you more about that if you're interested, but yeah. um it became like an athlete, like, you know, in a game, an athlete can pivot left, pivot right. They have equal agility. Yeah. They develop it in practice because you can't learn it in a game. Mm-hmm. They develop it in practice and then it's muscle memory. And it's gotten to the point for me where I can literally shift between alpha and omega inside of a single sacred practice. Wow. Inside, yeah, I can be in mindless, like off the charts omega. And then you feel a dip in the energy. And like a surfer will feel like the wave is ending. They cut back in. 
Mm. I will like bring an alpha moment that kind of like shakes things up. And then Justin's like, whoa. And then he trumps me and we do Omega. Yeah. I go back into Omega. Mm -hmm. I'm doing that in sacred practice. I'm also doing that being a parent. Yeah. Golly. (laughs) You know, I had to really learn this as a mother of a toddler because otherwise I would have just had to put Omega on hold until she was five and went to kindergarten. Yeah. And I don't think that's even possible for me. It feels like I can't live any other way. However, oftentimes by the time I'm picking up my kids from school, I feel a bit overstimulated because I've taken in so much and I've like worked through so much and I felt so much that by the time I'm picking them up, I feel like I am done with the day. Like I cannot, I'm just so overstimulated. So I've been trying to do breath work in the car, like in the pickup line. Um, But yeah, that's, that's my work right now. I'm so thankful for all of that. Well, and also you remember Omega is the sensitizing one and, and kids are just exploding supernovas. So I don't know if you ever have the experience of like, you feel good. And then the minute they get in the car, you're like, Whoa, I'm so tired. Yeah. That's, that's, it's something to track because what you're experiencing is it's truly overstimulation, but it's overstimulation from how awake children are Mm. they're bringing in literally a supernova amount of everything yeah and when you have spent the whole day sensitizing yourself to feel the ancestral realms the Mm. etheric realms the subtle body is like completely pinging that's all that's abrasive to your nervous system and it's it's such a terrible position for a mom because she's like i'm literally like contracting against my child who's just effulgent and overflowing or maybe in a tantrum you know I mean they they're in all of it right and um that's why that energetic agility can be so helpful because when you really have mastery over omega over the sensitizing you can intentionally consciously desensitize so in other words you're not kind of like opening all the shutters and then when the locusts come they're all just coming into your house you know it's Mm -hmm. like you know how to actually shut the shutters to um, make yourself more available to love for your children yeah right Mm -hmm. have you ever noticed that sometimes dads kind of in their nesting box yeah have an easier time (laughs) with the kids because they don't allow themselves to get so shaken yes they can just sit there and they're in their density and the kids just bouncing off of them yes it drives me nuts doesn't that drive you insane and you're like I'm I'm sitting here listening to all your stories and engaging in your emotions and like I'm getting while cooking dinner yeah while I cook you (laughs) and discipline like no markers on the wall you know it's like um well it's the density because they're an alpha so they're like they're sort of the, holding the structure for, you know, remember, omega is everything. Mm-hmm. Alpha is nothing, mm-hmm. right? Alpha is formlessness. Omega is form. So mm-hmm. all that is everything that is life, that is changing, that is, it's all light in motion. And that's mm-hmm. all omega. And alpha is the sort of like space in which that all occurs. And mm-hmm. if you ever watch your husband, just watch. And he's just being space and there being everything. But you can learn, you know, if you don't have, a lot of us have such a toxic masculine. Once we find our feminine, we never even want to think about the masculine again. And um, that's depolarizing for your own self. In other words, Mm -hmm. if you are so over there in Omega that you don't have the tension of your own alpha, 
you lose juice. You'll see a lot of Omega practitioners that several years into the practice, their, their vagina's numb. Mm. They sort of lose everything they found in the beginning. And they're like, what's happening to me? Like, how come my practices aren't working for me anymore? How come I'm staring at the sunset and I just feel numb? I just feel nothing. Well, usually it's because they've, they've gotten, they've created like an aversion to alpha. And so they don't ever go there and they lose the natural polarity. Remember inside of opposites, the middle point creates like the tension of creation. Mm -hmm. That's like that creative, you can think of like a songwriter just pouring a song through their fingers and then like finding the tune, like that's the sweet spot is mm -hmm. that perfect middle place between alpha and omega. So a really intelligent omega practitioner is constantly developing her alpha equally because that's what charges her pussy up. Mm. That's what charges her life up. That's what has her have the really, you know, like, you know how when you're in practice and you get these insane downloads of source code, mm -hmm. that's what has you actually like penetrate the world with it. Mm. And so there's this beautiful mature maturation process that happens along the way where you've upgraded your alpha to the point where it doesn't even hurt and it feels stimulating, exciting. It feels important. It feels like mm -hmm. it matters. And you've got your omega on tap. And then the two just polarize each other and your mm -hmm. body in the middle is just fully vital. And yeah. then... And only when you have an alpha that you trust more than yourself, you're like, oh, okay, you get the alpha and I'm going to now sink into omega. Mm -hmm. And this is how you can get back into the gym, start eating in a way that you feel proud of again, because you have the discipline that doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. You know, like alpha perfected is like this perfect discipline that doesn't hurt. Yeah. And so it just ends up being energetic agility, I think, is going to become such a big conversation topic as women keep yeah. maturing along this path, because um, it's where the potency lies. Yeah. So I'm so glad you said that, because to me, I felt like men are just often in their nothing box. Like the kids are going crazy. They don't hear anything. They're just sitting there. <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden they think that we're we're like you know, disciplining and nothing even happened because they didn't hear anything. And so like, to me, it was like a big source of frustration of um, like, be present, hey, be awake, like be here. <laughs> and so um, you put a positive spin on that. So thank you. And then as far as the energetic agility within ourselves, so man, I feel so in my feminine, so in my omega, in my work, but I think that, and I, I'm doing well with like one-on-one -on -one sessions, but I think that that may be why my business isn't growing. Um, like I want it to is because I'm not having any alpha within. Um, and it's not even like, I don't even know. I don't even know like where to start when it comes to that. Um, I don't know. I, I think I'm very so much in my Omega that I feel like just let it flow to me. Just let it, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, that is something I really need to step into and cultivate as well with my, with my work. Well, there's, there's, there's ways you could work with that from both alpha and Omega in Omega. Um, Remember, uh, in your sacred practice, you're opening crazy portals of the flow space, right? So mm -hmm. 
um, one thing that you have every right to do is is ask your guides, you know, like mm-hmm. when you're in that really, I mean, this is why there's this thing called sex magic, because yeah. people long ago were like, wait, the most powerful force on the planet is sensual pleasure mm-hmm. how can we use that and it got used in really ugly ways so people are very like no you know because it was heinous what people who discovered the power of sex magic did with it but a really awakened woman can reclaim that from the divine order mm-hmm. and begin riding that surfboard and so mm-hmm. i would also just because it sounds like you're in a really beautiful omega dive um and you can be harnessing that for your business too, from mm-hmm. Omega. But uh, then when it feels right to sort of get yourself into that perfect polarity, what I call it is the inner marriage between Alpha and Omega. Mm-hmm. So they're married and they're in full fuck with each other. And that's what's fun is when mm-hmm. your Alpha is fucking your Omega and your Omega is delighting your Alpha and it's all so nourishing and mm-hmm. You're literally living these principles across everything you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one idea for starting to work with your alpha would be, um, let me just think of the f- best place for you to start. I think the, you know how in the, in the, sounds like in the course you're doing, the first thing they did was clean up the past, like, the mm-hmm. clean, right? Because if you have all that, the underworld, and if you have all that, they call it like drag on your boat, you can't sail very fast if there's mm-hmm. a big drag. Like if you're carrying a lump of cement on the back of your boat, your boat's not going to travel very fast. Mm-hmm. I would recommend you, um, really explore your own alpha and find out whether you trust your alpha Mm. because when omega doesn't trust alpha whether that's her own or her man she will not bloom yeah and the alphas in my life have all let me down so that makes so much sense yeah and then they probably modeled what alpha is that happened to me as well when I looked at what I thought alpha was, I was appalled. I was like, because it was all so subconscious. It was just given to me. And, and I really had to be like, is that really what I want my alpha to be? I don't even respect that. I wouldn't even want to be that, you yeah. know, like workaholic or uh, rigid, like rigid, yeah. or like crusty heart. Rehearsal like, instead of like from the heart. Yeah. yeah or, or like, I don't care how you feel, push through, you know, I mean, just terrible, terrible, harmful stuff. Mm -hmm. I didn't really realize I had that operating until I looked Mm. because I thought I had a, I don't know. I just didn't know what I had. And so when I looked in that room, I was like, whoa, (laughs) this needs a remodel. And then what I did is I started thinking of some of the alphas that I really respected and what Mm -hmm. qualities I respected Mm. in leadership in holding space in structuring things in leading from the heart in that way where you're leading from the heart but you're not weak at all right because mm-hmm. remember alpha is the one that's the penetrating force mm-hmm. so it's also are you willing to penetrate if mm-hmm. you 
had such damage in the ways you've been penetrated, mm-hmm. it can be really, you can be subtly and unconsciously resistant to penetrating. Mm. But penetrating can look like a ray of sunshine coming through a cloud, you know, mm. and, right? And when you start redefining your alpha, it's it becomes inspiring to go into alpha. Like yeah. you think of your business as a sun ray penetrating clouds. You're like, I can't wait to write that email. Yeah. And so it's a lot of, I would say the first starting point is cleaning up what might have dragged for you. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I got to get that done. Ooh, that mm-hmm. just represents depletion to me. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I am that you made it sound so exciting. (laughs) Yeah, it it is. And when you really work on it, um, you see your love life change because Mm -hmm. what, uh, the latest kind of edge in my work that I'm seeing everywhere with everyone I'm working with is that inner marriage between alpha and omega is the absolute dynamic they have in the relationship. Yeah. And and each of them, it's like so often I'll work with a couple and I don't know if you've noticed this, but they'll come and they'll check in and they have completely different pictures of what happened that week. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like they're not even talking (laughs) about the same relationship. And what they're doing in that moment is like her relationship to her own alpha is coming through her words projected on him. And his relationship to his own omega is coming through his words projected at her. Mm -hmm. And when we get them to sort of clean up that original relationship they suddenly like take the blinders off their eyes and they see in the present moment yeah the person that is there yeah this gives me so much hope thank you so profound this was such a source of frustration but now it really feels like you you made it sound so um omega (laughs) now it feels juicy (laughs) (laughs) exactly your alpha can be really juiced up but doesn't have you know like it doesn't have to look like a three-piece suit yeah Uh, thank you so we haven't even gotten into the questions yet (laughs) (laughs) but i'm so thankful for all of that gold um something we didn't do last time was um kind of get into your story of like what brought you to write the book and what brought you to doing the this amazing work that you're doing now hmm. so I'd love um, to hear there's about so much there is there anything in particular you're curious about because that's such a I could probably talk about how far and not really yeah, maybe, target. maybe um maybe you can talk about when it came to the men you were choosing and what brought you into um, your relationship with Justin. Okay. Yeah. Right. Maybe that part. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, when people ask me about how I, they, they ask me two questions, like how did I pick Justin, but also how did I get him involved in the work? Yeah. I get that question all the time. How did I get him involved in the work? Probably and, mostly by women, you're asked that. Uh, definitely by women and by <laughs> women who feel like their partner isn't practicing. <laughs> or like, just won't like, yeah, it, it feels like sometimes we're always like 10 steps ahead, you know, and it, it like we, we want them to lead. We want them to be 10 steps ahead, but it feels so um, emasculating to say that out loud or to let them know we feel that way, you know? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um you know, my answer is different than I think what most people expect to hear. They mm-hmm. expect to hear um, 
something along the lines of like I invited him very powerfully or I um I don't know what they expect. The answer is is actually I think what causes this to happen. And um when I met Justin, I was in a secret kula of six women practicing very advanced sexual yoga. Um, it was like a secret group and we would meet after the seminars and we, we would sort of like go deep. And, and this was with uh, one of my uh, really beautiful female teachers. And can you just specify I, what se- sexual yoga is for the listeners? Cause they probably went down a rabbit hole. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> sexual yoga is, um, it's Western sacred sexuality. It's mm-hmm. sacred sexuality as it's come to the West. Justin and I call it sexual yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, and we teach something called the yoga of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And what that means is um, it's the difference between yoga and stretching, right? You asked like, what makes us an intimacy sacred yeah. versus just regular intimacy? I would ask you, what's the difference between yoga and stretching? Intention. Intention, breath, mm-hmm. being in your body all the way, like instead of just like, throwing your head down you're you're like breathing into Mm -hmm. you can do this with your beloved Mm -hmm. where your sexing becomes a vehicle for awakening Mm -hmm. or your relationship and all you know there's not a single relationship that's not difficult if you stay together long enough Mm -hmm. or if you're honest like Mm -hmm. there are relationships that are easy and those are the people where just don't look behind the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's really nice. Um, but all relationships are challenging, especially if they're a good match because they're mm-hmm. a karmic unwinding for each other. And in sexual yoga, what you're doing, it's not like you the Kama Sutra where you're doing poses and you're learning sex techniques. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with that intention behind relationship. And showing up in a way where you're growing with and alongside each other. Mm. Where everything you face is a karmic moment and you have an opportunity to release karma every single day. Mm -hmm. You have an opportunity to have ecstatic sexual union because you're not closing your bodies to each other. You're learning how to stay open, stay in relationship and fuck through it all yeah not just like you know a lot of people get the therapy model in their minds when I say like stay open you know like well I felt this when you felt you know when you said that it's not like that at all it's much more about how do you have deep fuck with all the light and all the dark without turning away closing your body tightening your pussy losing your erection you Mm -hmm. know hating each other yeah, and getting in a place where you're just distant ships in the night, barely even passing by each other anymore. Yeah. Roommates. Mm-hmm. So sexual yoga is a method to address all of the difficulties of a relationship. There's a map. There are points on the map. It takes you step by step through the whole landscape of what it is to be in a deep, committed relationship. Yeah. Okay, so you're doing this in secret with six women. Yes, so I'm practicing this. um, And it wasn't very popular in the West at the time. Mm -hmm. So um, I did this as like a secret life. Like I had a whole nother thing going on publicly. I also 
have a fundamentalist um, background and my dad's a preacher. So I was also like, right. So I I had it all in secret, (laughs) like ready for the family to know what I'm really up to. Yeah. Anyway, I'm doing this whole practice. um, And, but, but this practice is everything to me, Mm -hmm. everything, because it, it, you know, solved all of my ailments. I had the world's most awful relationship with food and body growing up. Mm. Um, when I came into puberty, I tried to starve myself to death and I almost succeeded. I got down mm. to uh, 70 pounds, like skin and bone, because I just couldn't deal with my sexual nature, which came raging on. You know, I mm. think I had a lot of past lives doing this work. Mm-hmm. I was pretty awake in the yeah. central channel. Mm-hmm. And when that started to come online, it came online hardcore and my family didn't give me any tools. And so yeah. I just tried to make it go away by not eating a single thing, but celery. And then of course got, you know, got in trouble for that and got put in all sorts of programs for that, got kicked out of school, all of that. Mm-hmm. Then I just turned to overeating. I tried to stuff it down with like, you know, 5,000 calories a day mm-hmm. and I put on tons of weight and it was just this whole rigmarole. Well, when I found sexual yoga, it was the only time in my whole life that I found freedom around food and body because yeah. they taught me about my sexual energy. And mm-hmm. I was like, wait a minute, this whole time, I just thought I was like an obsessive compulsive personality or whatever, you know, all the labels that get put on um, overeating and anorexia mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, what it is, is I have this raging dragon of sexual energy in me and I've been not in relationship with it. I've not been honoring mm-hmm. it. I've been trying to stuff it down, make it go away. I've been like indulging it, pulling away from it. Sexual yoga taught me how to help, how to use it to find peace, Mm. joy, creativity, full vitality, like just taking a bite out of the ass of life, whether I had a partner or not. Yeah. I was so in. (laughs) in. And uh, I was like, I'm Mm -hmm. free. I'm fucking free. You know, I thought I would never be free. I thought I would be tortured for my whole life. I'm free. Yeah. So I just dove it all the way in. And I was so fulfilled in it as a single person. I wasn't even, you'd think it's this like super advanced sexual yogini with all of these tools, like high paid escort talents. (laughs) I'd be out there like screwing everybody, but I was just so, it was like me and the divine. I was just in deep fuck all the time in that, in Mm -hmm. that circular orbit between heaven and earth Mm -hmm. through my body. And I was, I was doing the practice that way where I wasn't doing it to attract a man. I wasn't doing it to be the hottest chick at the club. I was literally because of my background um, and because of all the suffering I'd been through, I was just so happy to be getting fucked every day by source energy. Yeah. Right. I sent my, my, I have a, a little woman's group. It's just four of us sisters of the sacred rose. And I sent them a picture of my legs yesterday covered in goosebumps because I had just been fucked by the divine. And I felt like how you feel after (laughs) stayed on my legs for like 10 minutes. Are you serious? Yeah. So yeah. So so very, it's just such a nod from the mystery, you know? No. Yeah. But um, you brought up, you know, fundamentalism 10 years ago, I would have, 
been terrified by, by what I experienced yesterday because I would have thought it was demonic or um, like, what if Jesus came back during this exact time? You know, like yeah, yeah, exactly. I would have separated it from God instead of feeling like it was God. And there was no question yesterday that that was God and that that was the divine. So I'm also interested after you talk um, talk about the Justin portion about how you um, found that as holy, what that journey was like when it we were taught to see it as so sinful. But yes, I was taught that it was it was a highway to hell, mm-hmm. and um, took me a long time to unravel each one of those things. But it was my contentious relationship with food and body that unlocked that gate for me because I just knew that if I wasn't at peace, Mm -hmm. I hadn't really found God yet. Yeah. Like God is peace. And if I'm in war, I'm not like what I'm not doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really wanted to find God and I was not finding God really. Yeah, I was finding God like, you know, the outcast sinner at the gates, one like clawing to get in. Yeah. But when I started doing sacred sexuality and understanding some of those Eastern concepts like consciousness and light, for me, it didn't make me not believe in God. It like gave me a framework to even believe in God more. Yeah. And it really it was tiptoeing into the lake. Like, do I am I bad for embracing my own power? Am I bad for going direct to God? Mm-hmm. Is my pussy really evil? Yeah. Or is the evil making my pussy wrong and then stuffing it down with 5,000 calories not showing up to anyone in my life because I'm in so much shame? You know, I started to just see my impact in the world and I was miserable and hiding because I wasn't shining. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I was given all of this for a reason, you know? Mm-hmm. Is it really to, to call it wrong? <laughs> yeah. And so it was more in my direct experience that healed it for me because I noticed that when I was so fulfilled and deep fucked by source, I went into my day and I loved people better. Yeah. And I had more equanimity. I, I was less reactive. I was, I could feel my heart and therefore I could feel other people's hearts better. I was more present. I was less deluded. Mm-hmm. It all just kind of was a really slow, organic unfolding of I am a more loving, conscious human being when I'm sexually awake. Yeah. Than when I'm repressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that was all I that was like all I did. I didn't ask anyone their opinion. The thing that's so beautiful about finding that deep fuck with source is you stop looking for things on the exterior and you start going to your going to your mat. Mm-hmm. to get all your answers. And that was one of the first things that opened up for me was when I had a conundrum, like, does God really approve of this? I stopped asking other people, not even my teachers. I started asking my practice. I started asking that central channel of surging light. Mm. And and the communication just kept opening more and more and more. And I think the biggest thing I had to overcome is, is it okay to ask yourself or should you be talking to a priest like I had been trained? Yeah. From the priest to the pussy. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's no secret that shame-free sex and pleasure are powerful avenues to deeper connections and an overall sense of well-being. And accessible, expertly designed toys can play a big part in getting you there and making you feel more alive. Dame is leading a sexual wellness revolution as a women-powered resource for game-changing pleasure products and supportive content. Started by a sex educator and an engineering whiz, Dame develops her products based on research and feedback from people like you. They're making better sexual experiences and more pleasure available to all. Dame's easy-to-use toys and accessories are made with body-safe, doctor-approved materials and smart design principles, and they've earned glowing praise from the New York Times, the Today Show, and many more including me. Whether you're looking to shake things up with your partner or upgrade your self-care routine, they've got something for every nightstand. Even better, Dame offers three-year warranties and hassle-free returns within 60 days, so your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. And I will guarantee you satisfaction because I use their products myself. They're amazing. My favorite one is their suction toy. I call it the clit sucker, but it's uh, spelt A-E-R. It's called AIR. It's a powerful arousal tool for fans of oral stimulation. It creates thrilling pulses of air and a soft seal around your clitoris so you can go all the way right away. Guys, I have like eight to 10 orgasms almost every time I use it. I use it during sex and in my own pleasure practice. You will not be disappointed. They're also sending me a bunch of their other products, so I'll keep you updated. But as of right now, this one's my favorite, and I highly recommend it. Go to dameproducts.com and use code JADE today for 15% off your order with Dame. Now on with the show. It's just a funny thought that we grew up with this story around Jesus, and then we're now in this work, and the and the true story is that Jesus was doing sex magic, too, with Mary Magdalene. I know. It's such I a funny know. thought, isn't it? It is kind of a mind fuck itself, but it is. Well, I think, you know, it's a lot of things in our culture these days. It's can you trust people? So it's like, if you knew Jesus was doing that, would everyone use that as an excuse to just go fuck everybody and, and call mm. it sacred? Yeah. Like that's not what Jesus was doing. Right. Like he was showing up in a sacred practice, which we all know if we've tried it is really hard. Yeah really hard. And that was also why I wasn't out just cavorting with my skills because I was really interested in the sacred. Yeah. It's always been my orientation is like, how does this get me closer to the divine? How does this get me closer? How does this get me closer? Because that's the place where peace lives. Yeah. My whole body exhales and I'm in my skin. My heart's shining. I've always, that's like what I, that's my true North, you know? Yeah. And that's what I used. Yeah, so beautiful. And I'm every answer you give, I, I just feel more, just like your book did for me, I just feel more and more excited for the future. Um, <laughs> you have such a beautiful way with words. Um, okay, so going back to how you brought Justin. Justin along. Yeah. Okay, so you can get the picture. I was pretty darn fulfilled. <laughs> I was pretty darn radiant. Remember, you radiant? were a portal. I was yeah. a portal. And you know, one thing I teach a lot, as you know, is that we have to remember the true definition of radiance is to emit light. It's not what you look like on the surface. I mean, I'm 51 years old. I have wrinkles. Oh my gosh. I thought you were my age. You oh, you did? Fine. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Well, that's all that sex. <laughs> that's all that yeah, it is. But, um, <laughs> um, but you know, I really, because, uh, you know, I had body image stuff from all of that torture. And 
sacred sexuality eliminated, eliminated my body image stuff because I realized I have a central channel that's filled with liquid love light that I can beam through my eyes and my nipples and I can let my belly out and it's beautiful and I can take a deep breath and it doesn't matter if I'm fitting into a size four jeans, you know? And so I started living from this place and I was literally, I would think I was probably like a light ball, you know what I mean? And, and I didn't need a relationship. Um, I really didn't because I was not lacking in anything. And my focus wasn't on possessing someone. My focus was on being the best person I could be that day as love light, Mm -hmm. as consciousness. I was really focused on both from the very beginning. It's like Mm -hmm. consciousness and love light. We're all both, you know, alpha Mm -hmm. and omega. Well, uh, Justin um, and I met, he was 14 years younger than me. Mm. And never in a million years, I wasn't like, cougar and I wasn't looking for a relationship so and I was almost 40 at the time or I might have been 40 I don't remember the date but I was way older than him like Mm -hmm. because you know when you're 40 and you're in a guy's in his 20s like you're 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 dog years older right (laughs) Right? because it's not 14 years it's like 100 yeah and so um we we were like mesmerized by each other, but neither of us like made the connection that it could be a relationship. And because I wasn't focused on relationship, I was so authentic with him. Mm. I was really, I, ironically, I was doing all the Omega embodiments. I was very rested back. I was very at ease because I wasn't trying to get anywhere. I was, I had my heart wide open and I was super real. So when he would ask me a question, I would, I would just be like, absolutely authentic in the answer and ironically it was very mesmerizing for him because so so many women were so on him and which is very alpha mm-hmm. women don't realize when they're interested in a man how they just embody alpha they they're penetrating yeah. with their gaze they're leaning <laughs> forward they're like they've got an agenda even if it's like so carefully hidden you know they <laughs> they're pushing and i was i was resting back you know i was just mm-hmm. enjoying and i i he had such an old soul. Um, he wasn't in the work. He knew nothing about it. We met under other circumstances. He was such an old soul. I just so appreciated his consciousness. And I would just, I would just literally bask in it when I was around him. Mm-hmm. And when a man can feel you receiving the thing he's good at, mm-hmm. he, it's a special kind of magic because men who are very alpha, their main question is, am I succeeding? Am I failing? Whereas a person who's primarily Omega is, am I loved? Am I not loved? And if you look Mm -hmm. at your own inner alpha and Omega relationship, you can Mm -hmm. see that when you're an alpha, you're like, am I, am I a failure Mm -hmm. or, or am I doing good? Am I a failure? And then when you're in your Omega pole, you're like, wait a minute, does my husband not actually love me? Like, Mm -hmm. does he love me enough? (laughs) You know, do my kids love me? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you get really neurotic about whether or not you're loved or not loved. You forget mm-hmm. that, you know, it's not about that. It's about you are love. Mm-hmm. You forget that it's not about whether you're succeeding or failing. You are consciousness. You can't yeah. fail. But in our more human human selves, it's that am I succeeding? Am I failing? When a man, a very alpha man experiences a woman relaxing into the moment, resting back, and 
receiving the gift that he's here to give, he has this experience of completing himself through another. Mm. And because I wasn't looking, I wasn't, I mean, I would have never chosen Justin. I would, if I was looking for a relationship, I would have avoided him. I wouldn't have given him the time of day. I wouldn't have seen him. Yeah. Because he was nothing what I wanted. Mm -hmm. But because I wasn't looking, the universe just put him in front of me and I felt the moment and the moment was delicious. Mm -hmm. And then I put nothing on that moment and it was another moment and then another moment. And what, what happened was kind of textbook where it was so delicious being together for him and me that we just started spending all of our time together and we just sort of, you know, we're doing this thing. And, and it was really hard to admit that there was attraction there, but then eventually that became so hot and heavy. There was no denying it. We started fooling around and then there's a whole nother story about that, which is in the book. So mm -hmm. I won't go into that, but the upshot and the take home is if I could give women, you know, if I could whisper one thing in any woman's ears mm -hmm. who's looking for love, it's become so effulgently radiant with your knowing of you as love mm -hmm. and trust divine order to bring him and just begin shining. Because the minute you create an outcome, you're an alpha and you're literally repelling the alpha men that you want to attract. Mm. so good so good yeah. so hard though so hard yeah. when you're yearning when you when you're yearning for the, the thing to be your life you know like it wasn't like I wasn't yearning most mm -hmm. people hear that story and they think like I wasn't yearning no I was taking my yearning into my solo practice and the divine I was giving my yearning yeah. to the divine mm-hmm like I had a place for yearning, like an artist has a place for suffering, mm -hmm. the canvas, the, the template. Yeah. Like my solo practice was where I took my yearning. I didn't, the biggest thing that changed for me was I stopped going to the external for everything. And I yeah. began sourcing. Because mm. I mean, that's what sex magic is. Yeah. We, we tune our bodies to be that portal for mm -hmm. true power. And that's why nobody condones doing it because you could really do it you can really do it for dark reasons yeah hmm. but, i mean i don't know any woman who's awake in her heart and her pussy would do it for dark reasons because right yeah you don't need to you're still connected to an endless source of power you don't need to get power over others you know that's such an interesting thought because i used to be really angry with the patriarchy and the church for hiding the story of jesus and mary magdalene and of um our own power that we can find within. And I thought it was, and I'm sure it still has a lot to do with the church keeping its power and about money and um, the story of Augustine, like all of that, you know, I felt like it was all about disempowering women, but I didn't think about how there is some thought there that it is a bit dangerous if it gets in the hands of the wrong people, not wrong people, but um, the ill intent maybe. And I didn't think about that side of it, about how it, it there may have been some thought of protection there because it is so powerful. So I'm thankful that you opened that thought up in my mind because before it was just like pointing the finger, bad guy, bad guy, you know? So. <laughs> well, I do think it's all of it because there's yeah. definitely uh, an element of 
if I know this and you don't, I have more power than you. And you can get that in, in teachers of this work. Yeah. You know, there it's, it's everywhere. That's one of the things that really healed my relationship with the church. I wouldn't say it's healed because I certainly wouldn't put my trust there again, but, um, was seeing the abuse that happens in, in sacred sexuality communities. Like you're dealing with power and Mm -hmm. power is intoxicating and leaders can get intoxicated and begin abusing it, whether they're in the Christian religion, whether they're in sacred sexuality, you know, it's, there's stories everywhere of horrific things that go down in all sorts of communities. Yeah. That's a healing path that I'm on currently because I've been, if I sit and just think about what would the world be like if the true story of Jesus and Mary were taught? How different would women be treated? How different would women be respected? How different would marriage be? How different would church be? I I will cry just thinking of how sad it makes me that we missed out on that. Not not we, but the world. Um, so yeah, that's a healing path that I'm on currently. Um, yeah. You know what's so cool is I have so many Christian clients now, and mm-hmm. I have some Muslim clients, and I think that the the more illuminated the conversation becomes, the more we all realize we're pointing at the same thing. Mm-hmm. And with my Christian clients, there's like not even a blip, meaning the things we're saying, as long as we don't use divisive language, like yeah. we are literally doing the same work and they're coming to me for guidance, right? Yeah. And there's no offense taken. It's so, mm-hmm. I really do believe that, uh, like, like I said, with the illumination of what we're really doing here it loses differentiation. Like it becomes just so illumined that you don't have like boxes anymore. Yeah. I mean, especially with um, my current, like I have a Muslim client who calls me from, you know, you can see like towers in Dubai during our, our sessions, you know, and um, she, it's, it's as if I'm talking to someone in, I don't know, down the street yeah we're all doing the same work yeah it's like so thrilling to me it is that's so beautiful and a big part too of um like you know the story of you and Justin um that's in the book is so beautiful and and I know it wasn't easy there was a lot a lot of um up and down there but one of the things that I love that was included was um like his side of the story, um, <laughs> his experience. Uh, and it gave me so much, I, I don't know, like your story is completely um, inspirational, but hearing it also from the man adds so much hope because it's like, oh, he really is on board. Like, you know, he really is here. And so I remember something so beautiful that he said was, the awakened woman is a conscious man's compass. And I know it's really important that word conscious in front of man is a conscious man's compass. It's her heart that ensures he does not let this lifetime slip away. And I just hope that every man listening really absorbs that and woman, because it's so healing to hear a man say that. Like, so it just feels like hot cocoa, like poured (laughs) through my soul. But I'm curious, um, I don't know if it was like that in the very beginning 
but um, I'm trying to remember, but I'm curious, what do you think causes some men to not necessarily be turned off, but by an awakened woman, but um, to kind of like not accept her as that compass to kind of question her truth or question her intuition or um, yeah, just not trust it. There's, there's many reasons. Um, the most common that I see, uh, like for example, one of my clients uh, that I worked with, they were a couple that um, they were sort of dabbling in the ideas of sexual yoga. He was sort of like, maybe, and she was all in. Yeah. And she did the mistake. She didn't know she was doing it, um, but she did the mistake of taking all the promise of sexual yoga and marrying it with the fantasy that we're sold as children. Mm. And instead of it being like the knight in shining armor, it was the perfect conscious man. Yeah. Right. I've been there. Yeah. So she had, she didn't even know it. She didn't realize it. All she could feel was like her complaint of how he wasn't showing up. Yeah. But there was this element where she had kind of like bought into the idea of what's possible recognize that she didn't have that Mm -hmm. and then and this is the part that's so important cognized it Mm. and she thought she was practicing she was like sharing with him these things she was um giving him lots and lots of emotions she really thought she was practicing it and when justin and i justin and i both work with couples right so we justin and i were working with her and her man Mm-hmm. And we started taking them into actual formal practice, like sacred practice. A lot of what they were doing was like, while they're driving to the kids' soccer game, she's having a conversation with him about something that is that she needs more of in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Or um, while they're laying in bed, you know, when they just made love. And he's like, how great was that? And she's like, well, you know, and <laughs> not so great, you know, and they they were doing it all outside of a sacred container. Mm. And she thought she was practicing, but what she was really doing was complaining in a more clever way. Yeah. And then he was feeling like that failure thing. Mm-hmm. Like he, all he could hear was, you're failing me. You're failing me. Mm-hmm. This sucks for me. And he's like, what we don't realize about most men, and I see it all the time, is they want to win. They don't want you to be sad. It's it's like knives through their body when you're upset, even though they might be zoning you out and in the nothing box. It's because it's so painful to be letting you down that they will just not let it in. Mm. When something's so painful for a woman, she will be like emoting over it. Yeah, But he might have the ability to, dissociate from that Mm. and he just feels like I'm failing there there's nothing I can do there and there's no invitation for me here Mm. and she didn't realize that she was like in her head and in her mouth and everything she was practicing Mm -hmm. was ideas spewing out of her mouth as like veiled complaints Mm -hmm. or emotions thrown on his lap like a hot potato like Mm -hmm. I'm so sick of all of this and you know just kind of like shame and blame and like barbed wire coming at him now all of her complaints were really valid Mm -hmm. all of her complaints were right on 
she wasn't wrong about any of it, but she wasn't practicing. Right. Mm -hmm. She, she had like learned what was missing and just was really upset about it, but Mm -hmm. she wasn't, she hadn't actually made the leap into practice. So we started working with her and him and we had them first become present with each other, match the breath. She didn't want to inhale his breath. Hmm. She didn't trust him anymore. He didn't feel received, so he didn't want to play. Hmm. Can you see how simple that is? Yeah. She thought she was practicing. You know what practice looks like? <sighs> you hate the man and you inhale that breath and then you show him how that feels. Yeah. And then he's already on board because she's participating with him versus mm-hmm. closing off, pulling away, and just telling him how much he's failing. Mm-hmm. And so those first couple of practices were crushing for both of them because they had to open their bodies to each other again. Mm. They had to stop meeting head to head and like having all these talks about their relationship and actually meet in the moment body to body, which mm-hmm. is where intimacy occurs, right? Mm-hmm. And so it took a little while because she didn't trust. So then she started receiving that breath and rather than tolerating it, she started showing him how it felt, but now she's not telling him how it feels. She's showing him. So what got lost was all the secondary emotions like anger and blame, which he can't do anything with. And it just makes him feel like he's failing. He just leaves. Mm -hmm. Not all men leave, but most men will feel like they're failing and it's Mm -hmm. painful. She started getting into her primary emotions, which was actually, she was fucking sad. Mm. I mean, she was so sad. Mm-hmm. And so she began to show him her, her heart. And she was, it was spellbinding. Mm-hmm. And immediately when she found that deepest, truest, most vulnerable, real, soft primary emotion, it was like a sword into his mm-hmm. consciousness. And he started waking up. How can I be better? Mm-hmm. But she was receiving his breath. She was making room for him. Trusting. Oh, mm-hmm. I was just going to say, all he could feel before is, I don't trust you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no man is going to trust you as his oracle if you don't trust him as consciousness. Mm. So many women want to be trusted. Yeah. <laughs> so many women are like, how do I be trusted as the oracle? Well, start by trusting him. Mm. Because if he doesn't feel you trusting him, he's not going to trust you. Mm-hmm. we're in a game of I'll wait for you to get it right before I get it right. Yeah. The chicken so and the egg. Couples, yeah. So many couples we see, cause we work with a lot of like committed long-term couples cause we are, they have so many hurts that have happened and so many resentments that have built up. They start being in a position of like, well, when you blah, 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 all blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's just, just plain true is you've got to go first yeah both of you you need to get in a place where you're both going first Jess and I are so aware of this we're always going first and we never want to mm. golly <laughs> really good I know something that the book says too um about because you brought up um success or failure was um when men provide by nourishing this in women it's more beneficial than any type of success. And I just wanted to like bring that up because um, that can kind of give a glimmer of hope as well for men. But I feel like in my own relationship, I've 
had to let go of like this need to be the oracle, this need to be seen the way that Justin wrote about you. Um, because I felt so unaccepted there and it ended up being such a big wound. But the more I would go in that direction of um, letting go of of wanting to be the oracle, the more unfulfilled I would feel in the relationship and then the more resentment would build up because I would feel so undervalued and so unseen and so unheard. And I so badly wanted to just be accepted and and, um, included in his awakening, I suppose. Um, So I, I feel like also... I had been told by a teacher that like my Oracle of truth is really useful in sessions with people, but that it's not meant for my relationship. And that felt like a, like a knife in my heart. Cause it felt like, well, where more important could it be needed? You know? Um, so there's been this like wonky tightrope that I've been walking that I haven't been really clear on um, what to do, but that was really, that felt like, like, like this, like, huge coaching session for me because it felt like, um, oh, wow. Okay. I'm not trusting. I'm not trusting in the consciousness. So I'm curious because I'm, I feel like this would be so relative for so many women. What, what does that really look like though in day-to-day life of trusting his consciousness? Yeah. Before I get there, can I just uh, talk about the Oracle for one more point? Yeah. You just mentioned, Uh um, would it be okay if I comment on that? Of course, yeah. I trust you so much. Omega doesn't feel seen unless the wisdom of her heart is part of the dynamic. And it's very hard for her to trust if the wisdom of her heart is not included. Mm. And I personally believe your relationship is the most important place for your oracle to be valued. Mm-hmm. but what is there to unfold is well there's first like tr- trusting him mm-hmm. and if you don't trust him showing him but the mistake I see most women making because like that sort of truth that you use in your sessions mm-hmm. is that's why Justin made the comment I would miss who I was supposed to be in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. That's why he made that comment because I'm bringing that, but I'm not bringing that through my words. Mm. And when I do, it's very useless. I can bring it through my words with my clients because I'm penetrating them. I'm when I'm in a session, even if we're working in Omega, I'm alpha. I'm pen, I'm I'm holding the structure. I'm guiding them. I'm penetrating them with my words. Mm-hmm. So it's, I'm not there to polarize my clients, right? Mm-hmm. If anything, I'm not there to be the Omega one. They are. Mm-hmm. But with Justin, if I bring my Oracle through my alpha channel, I depolarize him and I feel him repelled by me. And it's easy to think he's repelled by my truth, mm-hmm. but he's repelled by alpha alpha. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't want you to give up on your oracle until you know that you're not using words which Mm -hmm. are inherently um depolarizing Mm -hmm. and you're not bringing it through penetrating him Mm -hmm. you're bringing it like if we look at the oracle of delphi right she was on the vapors and her body was going "Mm," 
Mm. <laughs> you know, and then the now it was a little screwed up the way they did it because the priest would then interpret, which had all sorts <laughs> of agenda. Yeah. But what Justin and I have going on is I'm like he'll say, I'm I'm seeing that we're gonna be doing this, and I'll be like, ooh. <laughs> and he'll go. Because I haven't said, I, I don't think so, babe. My truth tells me, bop, 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 which yeah. would immediately depolarize. I go like, hmm, God, I'm feeling really uncomfortable with that. Mm. And he'll go, he's, he's totally polarized, right? Because I'm, in the, fe- I'm the feeler, he's the seer. Mm. So I'll say like, hmm, I feel really uncomfortable with that. And then he'll, because he's polarized, he's invited in. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. Mm, doesn't doesn't feel good to me I think now I just said I think I'm now depolarizing but he asked for it mm-hmm. but I'm going to be I'm giving him I'm trying to stay in my heart if you have it's tempting when a man says like something and you get a lot of fear like oh my god that that's a terrible idea for us like I hope that doesn't happen and then you're just like honey I don't think we should do that like there's no body, yeah. there's no heart, there's no mm-hmm. pussy. Mm-hmm. So when I, let's say that happens to me all the time. Let's say Dustin will say something and I'll be like, ah! you know, I take that into my solo practice mm-hmm. because I'm going to be with my own fear. I'm not going to, I'm not going to spiritually bypass my fear. I never do that. Mm-hmm. All my parts are welcome all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. I just know that some of them I put in Justin's hands and some of them are in my hands. Yeah. And like, my fear as a hot potato dumped into his lap as like my emotional expression mm-hmm. never gets us anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I'll go into my solo practice and I'll welcome my fear or I'll welcome my anger or I'll welcome my yearning, my frustration. Like I said, this is how I even met him. I was just constantly yeah. in my solo practice, welcoming all of what's there mm-hmm. and looking for the wisdom nuggets in it. And then I'll get it and then I'll come back and I'll, I'll be it. Mm-hmm. I won't say it. I'll be it. And I'm, I'm very disciplined about this. And so I want you to notice if you're treating him like a client, which kind of makes him your mm-hmm. omega, mm-hmm. or if you're being the omega. Yeah. And it requires a lot of equanimity because um, you have to release the outcome. You have to see his gift in it, trust mm-hmm. his part of it. Uh, you have to not necessarily be knee jerk and reactive in the moment, but like mm-hmm. bite your tongue, go to solo practice and wait till it's a gift. Yeah. <laughs> right. Don't hot potato. Don't just be like, this is really uncomfortable. Let me just yeah. all over you right now. Yeah. And that's what I see the most with women who don't feel seen and heard mm-hmm. as the Oracle. Yeah. This is why you say that our relationship is so much a part of our awakening. <laughs> Because it involves so much self-reflection and inner work. Um, And it's unrelenting because, you know, you could be in a course with like a really intense guru and you show up for like the two hours of your course that day and then you're on your own. But with the intimate relationship, there's no pause button. No. And that's a continual ceremony. Always. And so it's exhausting. There's no question. It's freaking exhausting. But the fruits are worth it. Yeah, and I'm applying all of this to um, the biggest 
issue in my relationship is we have this spiritual disconnect that wasn't that big in the beginning, but has grown and grown and grown as we've gone down two different spiritual paths. And that feels like um, hard work because it feels like um, it affects our connection. So it's hard for me to hold that portal without the should because I'm like trying to preserve our connection and, um, you know, keep us meeting each other, I suppose. But I think that's my initiation here is, you know, that priestess path of holding that portal without the should. And then what you're saying is like really staying in the Omega and learning to, um, I guess, I'm not sure how to articulate it in the way that you do, but um, I guess how I reveal. So um, I'm so, so thankful for that homework. And uh, I know it's Remember, we don't have to trust everything about our man. Mm-hmm. We have to trust something. It's like you're not. Ex- most women have trust as a black and white. And so, for example, if he has a different spiritual path, and that's not what you trust. Mm-hmm. It can t- be tempting to feel like you don't trust him. Mm. But if I asked you right now, like, what's something you do trust mm-hmm. about him? I trust that um, he's always going to provide. I trust that he's always going to, if he knows that something is really hurting me, he's always going to try to make it better. Mm. Um, It doesn't always happen right away. Mm -hmm. It might take (laughs) a couple of different angles, but he will always get, he likes to like get the book that tells him the answer instead of like hearing it from me, he'll get, that's it. We really need Justin to write a book, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah he'll always if he knows something is genuinely hurting me he'll always try to make it better and that's really healing for me I don't know if he's even open to the work but Justin has a men's group on Patreon a monthly I didn't know that yeah so you could leave the invitation out you know because it's a great place for men to come especially with a practicing woman Uh kind of like oh you know they they really get real with each other and it's a beautiful support group and i feel like so many women listening to this are probably going to try to figure out who's on the roster now (laughs) 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 they need a little badge (laughs) they've been trained by justin yeah like any single guys in there exactly there's some really great men doing this work oh i'm sure i'm curious um with all that you've said is this the same uh, work that would be um, done if your partner isn't practicing? Is it pretty much the same? Yeah, the place to start is always that inner marriage between your own alpha and omega because other, you know, you're, whether you know it or not, you're projecting your own marriage to alpha into your marriage relationship, yeah. dating, whatever. Internal. Yeah. <laughs> and so when your alpha is something that your omega just wants to fuck, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you worship the shit out of your alpha. It's mm-hmm. so, um, it heals so much in the field of relationship that things will just drop away. Mm-hmm. Um, then the next place is to really understand that in polarity, it's the polarity between trust and love. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be loved, but we don't trust. Yeah. And whether we pretend to trust 
or we don't trust at all. It's very hard to find a partnership if you don't trust. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to trust everything. You surrender the parts that you do trust. And in the parts that you don't trust, you don't swallow that. Remember, your no gives you your yes, right? Remember mm -hmm. we talked about that? Mm -hmm. It's so important to never swallow your no's because every no you swallow, you swallow a little bit of your yes until one day this guy that you were so hot for dating, you just feel nothing for now. You know, are you so mm -hmm. numb? You lose touch with your pussy. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that in the areas where we don't trust, we're swallowing anything. It's that we're not having these psychological narratives. We're not using the thing that depolarizes the relationship to awaken. Mm -hmm. We're using the thing that polarizes the relationship to awaken, which is our, our thriving heart mm -hmm. and our fully expressed body and our wildly truthful yonis. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know you've graduated when you could come up to your man and like push on his chest and be like, I hate you. Right? You're so expressed. You're so, you like trust him with your truth. You know, mm -hmm. you're, it's like you don't shut down when you're upset. Mm -hmm. Justin and I do this all the time. Mm -hmm. It's so great. If you learn how to not shut down when you lose trust, mm -hmm. you you show them that you're losing trust. There's so many times where I'll just be like, I'm losing trust. I'm losing trust. And he'll, I don't say like, did you just, I don't go like, I, you know, I thought I saw you get a text that said, <laughs> I, I look at him and I'm like, I'm losing trust. Mm. And he'll be like, he'll put his arm around my lower back and he'll pull me in and he'll be like, I got you. Mm. I'm yours forever. Mm. Right. And then I'm, it's like, I don't need to have a big psychological conversation. We're, we're really, so many of us in this like narrative to narrative thing, we're taking the juice. We're like literally stomping the pilot light of our sexual mm -hmm. relationship out. And what I'm really here to represent, what sexual yoga is representing is how do you, how do you get honest and authentic and passionate again by yeah. taking all the material and fucking each other with it? Mm -hmm. When you can fuck as well from the dark and the light, nothing stops your relationship. Mm -hmm. But it's vulnerable because you're looking at softening yourself when there's rage running through you. Mm -hmm. You're looking at saying the thing that you, you know, expressing, not saying expressing you can express with words like i'm losing trust is me using my words but you can feel how it's in my body yeah mm -hmm. so he's getting my sexual vitality in my dark in my light which is what invites him in and when i'm constantly at least once a week saying expressing saying expressing the mm -hmm. thing that i think is going to lose lo me love mm -hmm. and i have i mean you know losing like it would be devastating for me and I, not to mention, I have a three and a half year old. Like, it'd be so easy for me to be playing it safe right now. Mm -hmm. But that's where you lose the juice. That's where you stamp the pilot light out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so all I'm asking people to do is just become committed to showing and feeling and expressing through the body and not giving up on him. Even if you're saying, you feel off to me. I don't feel like I can trust right now. Yeah. Mm. But you don't say why he feels off. You let him figure that out. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, that was good. I'm glad you yeah. asked that. <laughs> yeah. you let him figure it out. Because <laughs> yeah. otherwise you're alpha and omega. There's no polarity. There's nothing for him to step into. 
Yeah. Mm, thank you. So I want to check in with you on time because I have three more questions and then the lightning round that closes the show. Um, yeah. I feel like we can run through them quickly, but just wanted to check in. Yeah, I think uh, 15 would be. I have about more 15 minutes. more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, I think these two will be pretty quick. So the first one is, what do you think it is that keeps women from letting their animal be unleashed in the bedroom or being the one to initiate sex, like letting their seductress come forth. Shame is a big one. Yeah. We've all been so shamed. And I know for me, like my first sexual encounter, that sexual hunger I talked about, like that ravenous sexual appetite was shame. Mm. The person was like, whoa, you know, granted I was in grade school, but <laughs> you know, like I went in for the kiss and the person was like, whoa. And I was, it was like, it took me years to reclaim yeah. like my hunger. Mm. So I think shame is a big one. And we usually can root it back to, and I see this in my clients constantly is like, there was a moment um, where they like found something that was fully expressed sexually and it wasn't accepted well, or like they got slut shamed or yeah. this or that or the other. That's the number one thing I see. Mm -hmm. But the other thing I see, which is kind of surprising is um, women don't want to like we're programmed to not drool, not fart, not squirt, mm. not cry. Mm -hmm. um, we're programmed to, you know, and if you want to have like a full body orgasm, you have to be willing to drool. Yeah. You know, if you want to like really, really relax um, the yoni enough for it to start billowing, you might fart, you know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> And like, um, there's just so much messiness to great sex that yeah. I think if you're so buttoned up and afraid of, you know, it takes something to really soften. The other biggest thing is from young girls, we were taught to like suck in our bellies and that mm. totally shuts down the yoni. Yeah. If you suck your stomach in and you're not breathing into your perineum, you're not like what I call saturating the sexual sponge. Mm. And so, so many women give themselves such a hard time for being numb and they think it's hormones and all that. But if you ask yourself, like, when's the last time I, I breathed, I breathed into my yoni mm. and to breathe into your yoni, you have to make your belly look like a balloon. Yeah. Um, so I think that's another reason why women don't unleash in the bedroom is because uh, we're taught to be so buttoned up mm -hmm. and you got to let all of that go. Yeah. Yeah, but if you do, it's fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. I think um, the shame is such a big piece because we're like afraid of being judged that we'll do it wrong or we won't look as sexy as we're trying to look or whatever it is. Yeah, or even um, we'll be attacked for it. Like, you know, what are you doing? You know, that kind of comment. Yeah. And the way out of that kind of comment is to imagine it happening and meeting that moment. Mm. That's oh. the only way you get it back. Mm -hmm. I work with my clients all the time on this. It's like, okay, let's say that happened. Can you show up for you in that moment and not shame yourself? Yeah. I love to, I feel like we're at a time where this is all being like encouraged and women, I know in the school that I'm in, we're, uh, we have a whole class where we learn how to squirt. So yeah, <laughs> and you know, from, have you had the class yet? Not yet. Oh, okay. Well, um, but I've bought the know, materials. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Like you, you have to, uh, one of the best ways to learn how to squirt is for if you know you and your partner to have sex in the shower and you uh, learn how to pee while he's penetrating you. Oh, 
because it is so hard. I, I did this with Justin. We were in the that shower. Why one of the uh, materials is a pee pad. <laughs> there you go. Well, no, actually, when you squirt, it's a lot. And yeah. so you need a pee pad because you'll soak the bed. <laughs> oh. Yeah, squirting is a whole different thing. Um, but when Justin and I were in the shower and he's penetrating me and we're doing it like sexual practice, it's like the whole goal is for me to pee with him inside of me. So I'm there. He's a big yes. I still took me a long time to yeah. relax enough to do it because of, think about it, way back to potty training. Yeah. Like you're learn, you learn to like yep. hold it in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and ask your man, Hey, can we get in the shower, make love and I can pee while you're inside of me. You'll, <laughs> you'll be like eons closer to squirting all over. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> That was not on the um, actual topics, but I'm so glad we went there. (laughs) Um, So speaking about that, like the the, the ability to to turn on quickly like that and to let go, um, I feel like most women, I mean, we say all the time that it takes them so much longer than it takes men but you have a section in your book where you talk about getting turned on in 90 seconds. So um, can you share it in 90 seconds since we're <laughs> <for> your time? A <laughs> <clears throat> couple of things here. Mm-hmm. One, um, because of everything we've talked about, especially with the shame, women aren't in touch with their own desire. Yeah. They're, not, they're not spending time even thinking about what would be fulfilling to them in sex. Mm-hmm. So often women are just conceding to whatever he wants mm-hmm. and then wondering why they don't enjoy it. Like you, this kind of goes back to like being more of an initiator. Like, mm-hmm. what if you started like knowing what you wanted? Yeah. You know, what if you actually thought about what you, what would really get you off? If you can't answer that question for yourself, like right now, like as you are today, because what got you off like three months ago, isn't going to even be the thing. And so if you really want to get turned on in 90 seconds, you also need to know like how you could turn yourself on in 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. because what that's going to do is it's going to put you back in the stream of desire. And what you'll notice is it's hard to be in the stream of desire because now you're in the stream of yearning. Yeah. And so yearning is really uncomfortable. It's kind of like if you ate one square of chocolate a day, and you're like <laughs> just enough to be like, I know what that tastes like. And that's all I'm having. Oh, you know, yeah. that's what it feels like. FYI to be able to get turned on in 90 seconds. Mm. if you're willing to live with that pulsing pussy if you're willing to be real raw and honest with your man where you're expressing through your body you're not letting all those bricks come in front of the yoni wall like i talked about in the book yeah swallowing all those no's you have a pilot light on it's flickering it's easy to turn up that flame yeah that's my 90 second answer it could go we could do a whole podcast on it yeah i know that's like the quick and dirty simple simple yeah, it's a hard answer for me because my um my desire would be to be fucked by God still, even with my partner. And so to feel like he's really embodying that and he knows that he is that and to feel kind of like, like almost like he's like owning me in that in a way. Um, yeah, and, and uh, to be like put more in my body through that through have um, you ever like crawled on top of him wearing like some crazy outfit and like licked his ear and go I want you to own me no that's how you get it (laughs) 
you don't, you don't sit down at the breakfast table and go, honey, I was thinking about our sex life. And what I'd really like is for you to own me. Yeah. <laughs> That's what everybody's doing. That's what everybody's doing. It's so ridiculous. You know, lick his ear, like blow some hot yeah. air all over his neck and just tell him, I want you to own me. Hmm. Right? Have your once. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that was an easier answer. <laughs> People are taking the sex out of sex by talking about it all I the time. Oh, thank you. Okay. So <laughs> I know we don't have time to go into the three pillars, but maybe you can say what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, that evoke the deep moments of intimacy and then people can get the book to dive into them but if you can just let us know what they are that can get a little taste a little teaser yeah so the book's on amazon it's the Mm -hmm. awakened woman's guide to everlasting love and it presents three pillars to sacred relating or Mm -hmm. sacred intimacy um the three pillars they're like a stool and and you kind of need all three for that ecstatic experience that that like bliss that you can taste the orgasm in your mouth with the person you love the most um presence which means only here right here right now nowhere else Mm -hmm. that is so many different things you're Mm -hmm. not making your costco to-do list while you're you know with your beloved you're also not holding the rolodex of hurts against him Mm -hmm. there's so many different ways that presence shows up Mm -hmm. but it's really about needing and meditating each other in the moment. You're nowhere else but right here. And your heart is all the way in. Mm-hmm. Does that sum it up? Yeah. All right. The second pillar is polarity. Mm-hmm. Recognizing that it takes opposites to attract. Mm-hmm. And the more time you spend together in a long-term relationship, the more same-same you are. You know, the proverbial, we love that movie. You know, that yeah. kills attraction because... Not saying that, but meaning uh, the more you identify as the same, mm-hmm. the less you feel like fucking. Yeah. The less you actually even enjoy sex. Mm-hmm. And so when you understand the nature of what creates sexual pol- polar opposites, it's an alpha and an omega. Somebody who's embodying that traditional masculine piece mm-hmm. and somebody who's embodying that traditional feminine and you pull those pieces together. In other words, one of you rests your, what I call alpha, your masculine. The other rests what I call omega, your feminine. And then there's two halves that begin vibrating mm-hmm. like magnets that come together. And I'm here to tell you, I've been, I have practiced sacred intimacy almost every day for 12 years wow. with Justin. Yeah. And we have better sex constantly. Like. Mm-hmm. Like we are more explosively attracted and fulfilled wow. today than one year ago. And we have a three and a half year old that than is when we first met. And that's because it's physics. And when you really, and the book explains it to a T, when you really understand what creates attraction, the physics behind it, the mechanics of it, you're no longer at the effect of like Cupid hitting you in the ass with an arrow. Yeah. Or like all the stars align or you guys get so drunk or you watch porn together, whatever. Mm -hmm. All these things people turn to to try and like keep the spark there. Mm -hmm. Um, You can set up those sparks through um, embodiment work. And we talk about it in detail. Yeah. And it's authentic. It's not fake. It's really Mm -hmm. it's not role playing. It's Mm -hmm. uh, the book explains how to do it very authentically. And then the third pillar is devotion. Mm -hmm. So you can have presence. We've all met a guy at a bar 
who like pierces you with his eyes mm-hmm. and you'd melt and then he never calls or worse he takes you home you have this amazing night and then you find out he's dating like 12 other people you know and you just feel like all that presence was great but it's there's like what's it for yeah. right you can have massive polarity you walk into a party and there's somebody across the room and it's just like tesla coils right yeah. And it means nothing. You know, it's the physics in action. It's mm-hmm. just somebody who's polarizing you in just the right way. Mm-hmm. Devotion is the piece that allows it to be meaningful. Mm. Devotion is the piece that allows it to become sacred. And that's when you begin using your sexuality as a vehicle for awakening. It's when you begin moving beyond self mm-hmm. in a relational field. And you see beyond like all the contractions of your um, neurotic self mm-hmm. and you love through and beyond them. You understand you are consciousness. You understand you are love and you live as love consciousness, no matter what your rat brain is telling you that day. Yeah. You could like wake up and with the worst hair and the biggest wrinkles and you feel fat and you're about to get your period and everything is shit. And it's not about you. It's about you living as love. Yeah. That's what I love about Tantra so much is that's its foundation is a devotion to love. Exactly. And that's what allows us to do all these mechanics of sexual yoga without it feeling like abuse. Mm -hmm. Because presence can be used as a weapon. Clarity Mm -hmm. can be used as a weapon. But when you have that three-legged stool and devotion is in place, you're bringing all of these very powerful sexual sex magic mm-hmm. right all these techniques that people have known for millennia mm-hmm. and you're bringing it in the name of the other of your partner yeah mm-hmm. and they're awakening as they're doing for you yeah so the book goes into like um infinitely more details yeah that's, and it's that's so broad, broad. in the past couple of years i've read it a number of times five or six times so mm-hmm. i'm so so thankful and each time of course something different touches me so um okay so there's a few short questions that i end every show with the first one is if you could hug your younger self right now what would you say i would say stop stuffing with food my love there's something so much greater out there Mm. you don't need to make your sexuality wrong make it the guiding light of your life unfolding the life path that is beyond your wildest imagination Make sex your prayer. So good. That's what I would say to her. <laughs> so good. Ah, oh, that that stirred my stomach. Thank you. If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? You know, um, the game of life and how to play it by Florence Scoville Shin. I haven't read it. Uh, it's such a precious little book. It was written so long ago. It's so old fashioned, but she just nails. Um, she just nails quantum physics before anyone mm. knew what it was. Ah, okay. I love all quantum physics books. I so. know, I know. Well, she does it in a way she doesn't even know what she's saying, but it's just yeah. amazing. Yeah, okay. If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? You are conscious love. Mm. Begin, begin knowing that. Mm. Begin giving that and feel fulfilled mm. as that. So good. Okay, lastly, how can people connect with you, work with you, work with you and Justin and find uh, the yoga of intimacy? 
so we do Patreon groups, which are uh, monthly. We have a women's group, we have a men's group, and then we guide couples practice. So if you're like, how do my man and I begin doing like actual sacred practice? You can show up on Patreon and we will guide you in your living room. Amazing. And yeah. And you can um, turn off your camera or, but nobody sees you in the recording and they're all recorded. So you can do them on your own time. So we meet monthly on Patreon and it's really affordable. It's, it's a very entry level kind of um, price, but you get very advanced stuff. Okay. I'm um, doing and that's uh, patreon.com forward slash yoga of intimacy. Okay. But the easier way um, to find that, if you can remember, is uh, londonangelwinters.com. Okay. And then our book, The Awakened Woman's Guide to Everlasting Love, is on Amazon. Yeah, amazing. I, uh, you know, on the last show, we recorded hundreds of episodes. And still at the end, when people would say, like, what's the top three? I would always list yours. And then, you know, on this show, I'm about like 50 episodes in, I believe. And this is already, it's already my favorite. So I'm so thankful. It felt, the show felt like one giant orgasm in my mouth, as, as you put it. So I'm so, so, so thankful that I got to have you on. And you just, you're, um, I just feel like you just stepped out of the Isis temples and are like, you know, squirting on the earth, all the magic. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying yes to the call and, and to doing this yoga oh I just I love you and I love I just love talking to you we just always have the best time together yeah so it was my pleasure yeah yes it's my pleasure <laughs> okay you guys if you couldn't tell about my goodbye with her uh I literally feel like I just had the best sex of my life that's how amazing this conversation felt for me and I truly truly feel like just this deep lineage deep ancestral connection with her and almost like there's like this motherly not that she's old enough to be my mother because she's not but there's this like very motherly connection I have with her and my sexuality and my body and my body image, like all the things that she touched. I feel very um, like this mother daughter connection. And it just, it honestly, like, I am sure as soon as I hit the exit button on this recording, I'm just going to sit and cry in gratitude because I'm just, uh, so many of us didn't have that, that type of um, motherly wisdom in these areas of my life. And that's what she has provided for me. And I'm just, so, so thankful. And honestly, all the teachers I have in my life right now and the training that I'm in right now, I don't know that I would have ever gotten here had I not stumbled upon her book on Amazon because it's the first, it was the first taste of this yoga of intimacy and this sexual yoga. And I'm just so thankful. Um, I am definitely joining her Patreon, her couple's Patreon. Um, so uh, I, you know, I haven't looked into it yet on, on how often it is, what the price is, but I know it's worth it. And I'm so glad that there's the recording. So I encourage you guys to meet me there. And I'll also thank, uh, our affiliates. I'm also going to bring up, um, after I think the affiliates, I'm going to bring up a little practice that she talks about in her book. So, so, so hold on. If you've already heard about the affiliates, ho affiliates, hold on, because there's some, some goodie coming.
Okay, so to thank the affiliates, I'll thank the best toys for sex at dameproducts.com. Code Jade gets you 15% off. My favorite is the suction toy. It's an arousal tool, and you can use it during sex. You can use it, of course, by yourself, but during sex, uh, it is also an amazing addition. It creates thrilling pulses of air around your clitoris. And I also, in my own practice, like to pair it with my pleasure wand or my yoni egg. Depends on what I'm feeling that day. I love my jade yoni egg, and I also love my pleasure wand. They're both from wands.com, W-A-A-N-D-S.com, code jade for a discount there. All things CBD at directhemp.com. They have tons of different brands. I love the sleep gummies and the uh, body butter code jade for a discount and lastly higher dose infrared products i love my infrared products you guys i love my bioenergy mat it really grounds me i love my sauna blanket it saves me because i don't really it's it's harder for me to get to the gym and spend time in a sauna when i can like lay here and actually um, listen to something or um, work on my laptop while i'm in the blanket so uh, they also have an infrared face mask Code Jade75 gets you $75 off. Okay. And then I wanted to share something that she wrote in her book. Um, it is a question. So she has little like journal prompts throughout her book with reminders to breathe. And in one of her journal prompts, she writes, imagine what will change for the whole of humanity when each and every awakened woman starts living as love without shutting down or holding back, without compromise, and with a daily full body, yes, to the call of the heart. The way to hear that call is to ask yourself one simple question and trust the answer. The question is, how do you need to give your love before you die? So write down the first thing that comes to your heart and then let the answer inform your role in the revolution and let it be your mantra. Let it be the thing that gives you the courage to live as love no matter what. So that's from London Angel Winter's book. Just a taste of how beautiful it is and how invoking it is and how inviting it is. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. If someone crossed your mind, it's very likely that they would benefit from listening to this very episode. So send it along. And if this is um, a one-off and you just stumbled upon this episode, I would love it if you would hit subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. I've got some really amazing ones coming up. And if you could please also hit the five-star review. If everyone that listened to this episode just hit the five-star it would make a huge difference for me in getting some dream guests on. I mean, London's a dream guest. I've already got her on and I'm stoked. But people look at the reviews and to see if they should go on the show or not. So it would mean so, so much if you could hit that five-star button. Take you only a second. All right. You can also join me on Instagram at Untamed and Unashamed Podcast. As always, be a light, stay open, and remember, you belong here.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.